Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Friday the 29th of September 2017. It's a cool autumnal day here in Scotland and I'm happy to be cosy in my garden office speaking to you. My guest today is Monica Lionel. Monica has written several books for authors on productivity and marketing as well as fiction of her own. We talk tips and strategies for getting the work done, and her book, The 8-Minute Writing Habit. In writing news, I planned to write lots of my new first draft, and I must admit that things went a little off schedule. I was ill for well over a week with some sort of delicious cold virus, courtesy of my offspring returning to the petri dish of school, and that left me pretty wiped out. And then last week I managed to get a migraine. So it's not been a super productive month, but I did get over 10,000 words on my new shiny idea, which isn't awful for me. As I've said before, I'm pretty slow. However, in good news, I did manage to record the audiobook of Stop Worrying, Start Writing, or at least it's very nearly finished. I did three two-hour sessions in the studio, and I'm really glad I split them like that. Reading out loud was surprisingly tiring, and by the end of each session you could really hear the strain in my voice, but I also began making lots of mistakes. So that's one of my top tips to anybody considering narrating their own work. Other useful advice, which I got from Joanna Penn, so hat tip to her, was to stay well hydrated. I drank lots of plain water, and particularly when I was still getting over my cold, hot water with lemon. Also, it's a really good idea to take a snack. If you get hungry, your stomach rumbles, which is then picked up on the mic. Also, you need to use an e-reader so that you don't rustle the pages when turning them. And switch off the Wi-Fi or put it into airplane mode, because otherwise it causes interference on the recording equipment. I think I have maybe one more session to do just to finish off recording the last chapter, and the files are actually being edited by the sound engineer. Uh, once I have proof-listened to them all, they'll be submitted to ACX, and hopefully that process will be smooth and quick, but I shall keep you posted. Okay, on to this month's listener question. This question came in last month from Matthew. Matthew wrote, The late great Terry Pratchett insisted in his will that the novels he was working on at the time of his death would be crushed in their hard drive by a steamroller. This action was carried out today. Morbid question for the podcast. What would you want happening to your unfinished works in the event of your demise? Tolkien-esque approach, the family gets to cash in through publication of a bunch of things of varying quality that were never meant for public consumption, or Pratchett's cleaner approach with death as a full stop rather than an ellipsis. Thank you for this great question, Matthew. I think it's super important, and no matter what stage of your writing career you are at, it is something not only to consider, but to make arrangements for. 
Even if you just discuss this subject with your nearest and dearest so that they know your wishes, I think that's better than nothing. Best of all, though, is to make sure you have a will and that your will includes your creative work. Neil Gaiman actually wrote about this on his blog quite a while ago and provided a sample template. It's valid only in the US, I believe, but useful as a starting point for a conversation with your legal advisor, even if you live outside of the US. I will put a link in the show notes. Another person who talks about the business and rights protection side of writing is Helen Sedwick. I shall link to her website too. But as ever with important legal or financial things, my advice is to consult a professional in your area so that you get the best and most relevant advice for your own situation. So, at my own preference, I have actually thought about this and talked about it with my husband and my children. And I have a document on my computer, um, which basically contains all of my in the event of my demise planning. All the things that people would need to continue my business um, to make sure that things just carry on basically business-wise or to make things as easy as possible for those who are left behind to keep things running if they so wish to. It also contains um, my wishes, which is for all first draft material, novel journals and notes and research to be deleted. Books that are at the editorial stage, however, which are being worked on with either an editor or my agent, I leave those up to my loved one's judgment. Those works will be at a second or third or almost final draft stage, and I trust my husband and my children and their critical abilities to make a decision on whether they should be released. More important than my own preference, though, is for you to think about your own, not just in how it relates to this particular question, but with regard to the in-the-event-of scenario. I want my family to be able to continue to benefit from the profits of my artistic work, and that means thinking about what they would have to do if placed in that situation. I mentioned my In the Event of file, but it was also part of the reason I decided to form a limited company here in the UK. I wanted a separate legal entity to ensure unbroken service with regards to collection of royalty payments and so on, and hopefully to make any transition period easier. Now again, I am not a accountant or a lawyer and that is not financial or legal advice. I'm just simply sharing what I have done and my own thought process on it. It's really not nice to think about this stuff, of course, which is why most of us avoid doing so. Apart from the practicalities, I also think it's good to consider as it really brings home the value of our work. No matter what stage you're at, even if you've only written a couple of short stories, it's really important to start to place value on your creative work. And looking ahead helps with this. Because when you look ahead, I mean really, really, truly ahead to 10 or 20 or 30 years time, you begin to get a tiny sense of the value which lies within your intellectual property. Potentially, you will be collecting royalty payments on a book you publish today for the rest of your life, and your family or beneficiaries could collect money until 70 years after you die. Even if you expect a very small payment per month or quarter, looking ahead shows you how that can add up. If you are interested in making your writing pay, and there is nothing wrong with that, then looking far forward can help you to make smart decisions. For example, when you are signing contracts, looking forward certainly makes you consider 
a lifetime of copyright in a new light. Imagine 10 years down the road, or 50. How will publishing and the book market have changed in that time? Do you have absolute confidence in your new business partner to handle those changes? To always have your best interest, not only at heart, but as a high priority? None of us knows what is coming in the future, of course, but it certainly makes me think about wanting to have as much control over as many of my intellectual property rights as possible, and to really think very carefully about what I sign away and for how long and under what terms. Thank you again for the great question, Matthew. If you have something to add to this particular discussion, I would love to hear from you. Do you have a will for your creative work? And what is your position on your unfinished work being released? Also, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show or have a recommendation to share, do get in touch, sarah at worriedwriter.com or you can find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. As always, a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Although I only read out a handful of names, I do read and appreciate every single comment and retweet, and I do try to respond to everything. Thank you so much. Vanessa Lilly, who is at Vanessa Lilly, commented on last month's interview with Phoebe Morgan. Such a great interview, and picking the dollhouse up today. Appreciated hearing advice from debut writer and editor perspectives. Damon Vargas, who is at Vargas underscore fiction, posted a fab picture of a lovely beach view and the words, there are worse places to sit and listen to the Worried Writer podcast. So true. Melissa E. Beckwith, who's at M underscore E underscore Beckwith. Ray Cowie at Ray underscore Cowie said, another brilliant Worried Writer podcast. Thank you, Ray. And Carrie Elks, who's at Carrie Elks. Back from a workout at the gym while listening to Sarah Painter almost makes up for procrastinating all day. It definitely does. Thanks so much for listening, Carrie. Thank you to all of you for listening to the show and for rating, subscribing and spreading the word. I really appreciate your support. And now, on to the interview section of the show. Monica Lionel is a USA Today best-selling author writing YA urban fantasy and paranormal romance, as well as practical books for writers such as Write Better Faster and The 8-Minute Writing Habit. Before becoming an author, Monica also had a successful career in digital marketing. Welcome to the show, Monica, and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Just to break the ice with the audience, would you mind telling us all a wee bit about your latest fiction release or series? Uh, Yeah, sure. So my latest fiction release is called uh, Waters Dark and Deep. And it's, you know, it's a young adult urban fantasy slash paranormal romance, as young adult novels often are. There are three books in the series, and it's about um, the descendants of archangels and demons, uh, archangels and archdemons and so they're in like a a deep political battle in the books oh brilliant well i love supernatural (laughs) things so that's right up my street um and what was your journey into becoming a novelist had you always wanted to be a writer well so when i was a kid i wanted to be either a an author a 
a famous singer, like pop singer <laughs> or an actress. So <laughs> obviously only one of those came true. Um, <laughs> the best one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've wanted to do it. It was definitely one of those careers when I was young that I wanted to do. And I got into it when, um, so I got into it in like 2010, 2011, when there was kind of this burst of, uh, independent authors who were making money through eBooks. And so there was like Amanda Hawking and John Locke and like all these people who, were, uh, you know, they were just doing really well. Yeah. And that wasn't an opportunity available to anyone really until Amazon opened up that ebook. Um, they opened up Kindle direct publishing and that was kind of that first ebook platform that you could upload your book yourself. So that, uh, in 2011, I published my first, uh, fiction novel, I had published a nonfiction book in 2009 and I had done it, uh, like print on demand. And so, uh, and it, so it was mostly just in paperback. So I, I had some experience already. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I did, I did my first, uh, novel in 2009 or sorry, 2011. And then it took me, I was, I was busy with like work and freelancing. So it took me several years before I really, started, uh, putting a lot of energy into the business. So in 2014 was really when I had that, um, that first burst of energy and, and I had, uh, eight books published that year and I hit my first, um, thousand dollar month on Amazon (laughs) that year. And so it was, a it was a really good, it, it made me realize like, Hey, I, I can do this. Like I'm on the right track. Oh gosh, there are so many things that I want to ask you um, about all of that. Um, I'll just start off with, I so admire people who manage to sort of choose themselves and, you know, immediately go independent. I think it's fantastic. And I'm sort of a little bit in awe of it. So did you, did you feel nervous at all about doing that? Did you ever think about going tradition, you know, the traditional route or was it just your entrepreneurial nous that drove it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, so with the original nonfiction, I just felt like, so, well, first of all, the book was about social media marketing. Um, and this, like in 2009, it was like social media marketing was literally just starting. That was like when that was the year that Twitter was founded, (laughs) like, like it was just starting and Facebook, I think, came out in 2005. Um, so, so it was really just starting to get going for businesses. So before that social media was like, you have your profile on MySpace. (laughs) Um, And so this was all happening and I felt like I didn't have time to get a book deal. And I was also, I mean, I think I was 20, 24, four or 25 years old. So I was like, who's, who would give me a book deal anyway? And it wasn't in my, like it wasn't in my current profession. I was a software engineer. So I felt like I am going to create this book to establish my credibility and to show like what I can do. And then I'll just, you know, like when I'm doing a job interview, I'll just, just put it on my resume. And so That's that fantastic. was pretty much what I did. Yeah. I, I, I basically that first book I used to, um, to transition into digital marketing. And so I was able to very quickly make that shift. So, and again, the, so it was basically like, you didn't need a, ex, 
experience really. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of like professional experience at that time to get these jobs because they were just, they were just forming. It was so so new. like, oh. yeah, it was <laughs> like, okay, we have this new position for director of digital and we want to hire like some young 20 something to fill it. And it was, it was great because I was like, I, you know, I was like, I have, you know, I have this experience. Here's my Twitter following. Here's my marketing, you know, whatever. And then here's my book about how to do all of this. And people were like, well, she wrote the book on it. So (laughs) great. Like, let's hire her. Um, That's wonderful. And then, so was it then a sort of very natural um, step when you were writing fiction? Because as you said, you've done it, you'd already done it. And you had this kind of uh, knowledge of digital marketing. Was it then a natural step for you to, to put out your own fiction? Yeah, you know, I don't even I don't remember what my decision process was. I do. So I'm all for traditional. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But I do. My my guess is that I felt like this is something I want to do. I'm not necessarily trying to make, you know, a full time living at it. I would just be happy to have my book out there. And I I just, I don't know. I didn't want to go through the traditional process. So I think I, like I had a Kickstarter. Um, I do remember that piece of it. And, uh, I, you know, I hired my own editors. I hired a cover designer. Like I did the whole shebang and, uh, and yeah, I just, I kind of just put it out there. Oh, that, I, I do think that's wonderful. Um, but because this is the worried writer, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I'll keep on asking these horrible <laughs> questions. Did you yeah. feel, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated, did you feel self-doubt at all? or And if you did, how did you overcome that? Um, I'm, sure I de- I'm sure I did feel self-doubt, uh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, every time I publish a book, I still feel self-doubt, <laughs> of course, because um, you never know how the book is going to perform. It doesn't matter if you had the editing or if you have beta readers or whatever, you just don't know how a large group of people is going to respond to your book. So I'm, I was certainly, I certainly had self doubt, but I also think I had a lot of naivety. Like I was very naive about what I was doing. And that actually was great because I didn't, I didn't have those, uh, I I didn't have those hangups about, you know, people aren't going to think my book is real or I'm not going to sell enough copies. Like I didn't care how, you know, like obviously I wanted to sell as many copies as possible, but I didn't care. Like I didn't feel like, Oh, I have to blow this up um, and make this certain amount of money. Like uh, I just, I didn't have that pressure on me for that book. So you know, I just, I guess I just put it out there. There's something to be said for that. You knew what you needed to know in order to put it out, but you weren't overwhelmed by the sort of yeah. bigger picture, um, which, yeah, that sounds ideal. <laughs> and how do you, yeah. how do you cope now? Um, you were saying that you do have self-doubt, like we all do every time a book goes out. Um, how do you sort of cope with, with that sort of, um, those fears now? Well, I guess the way I think about fear is really that you're going to feel fear and it's going to be there with you, but can you take action anyway? And so I think a lot of people, they tried to overcome their fears or like, 
avoid their fears. And that leads to a lot of procrastination. And I, I will say like when I was, you know, like years and years ago, I, I was definitely a procrastinator. Um, like I, I remember when I was trying to establish a daily writing habit, I, that first day that I was supposed to write, I sat at my computer with everything open, like, you know, like my manuscript open and I stared at it for an hour without writing anything. And I, I remember that so distinctly. And I did, I believe I wrote about it in, um, my, my first book, write better fast, my first, uh, book about writing, which was write better faster. So I wrote about it there and it, um, I remember just like, it was like my mind couldn't process or something. Cause I remember just like, oh, like, so I'd sit down and like, oh, I need a cup of coffee or, and then like, oh, I'm real, I need a cup of water and now I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, it was just like this thing spinning in my mind and then an hour had passed by and I just remember thinking like, that is so ridiculous. Like, what have I been doing for an entire hour of like just nothingness? So, so since then though, I mean, it, like, I think, I think that a lot of this is a muscle that you have to work. So that's a big part of it. But then I also just think like, yes, you're afraid. Like I, you know, at that point I was afraid to write a sentence because I, I just thought it like, it's just going to suck. Like, you know, and, and <laughs> I had that going on in my mind. I was afraid, but then, um, it's kind of like, can you, can you have that fear? Can you acknowledge it? And then can you just say like, okay, like I'm scared, but like, let's just do it anyway. And we'll see what happens. Mm, absolutely. And you mentioned a daily writing habit there, and I'm a massive fan of habits. Um, and I know that one of your other uh, writing guides is the eight minute writer. Is that right? Um, and I just wondered, why did you settle on eight minutes? And <laughs> <laughs> is that something yeah. you suggest to people who if they are procrastinating? Yeah, I think so. The reason I did eight minutes is because uh, I found that the average person can get between 150 to 250 words in eight minutes. And um, so if you're, you know, so I kind of took, I kind of took the 250 and ran with it. Um, but if you're doing 250 words in eight minutes, and you do that every day for, you know, I think it's like within um, three to six months, you have a book. Mm -hmm. And so I think in our minds, so like five minutes, you feel like, you know, that's just not going to do anything. <laughs> like most of us are like, okay, write for five minutes. Like I need to write for an hour, you know? <laughs> um, and then I think 10 minutes is like, ooh, like we're getting into double digits. But eight minutes just feels like, okay, you like, just do it. You know, um, it, it just feels like the super, it feels like a long enough period to get something done, but then a short enough period to where like, you really have no excuse not to do it. And, uh, I liked that you could do. So the way I was able to develop my, uh, like kind of develop that writing muscle of like, sit down, focus, write. Um, I use the Pomodoro method. The Pomodoro method is a 25 minute timed session where like your focus, like that's the only thing you can do. And then a five minute break. 
And so you do that four times in a row and you've been working for two hours and that's called like a Pomodoro session. And so it's, it's supposed to be highly effective. So then with the eight minute thing, I was like, well, this is great because you can do eight minutes, two minute break, eight minutes, two minute break, eight minutes, two minute break. And that can be a, you know, that can be a session. And now you've done 30 minutes of writing and it just, it feels like, so what I realized was for so many people, they're like, Oh, I have like job kids. Like I'm taking care of my parents and you know, they have like just a million responsibilities and they were, you know, they were just like, I don't have an hour to sit down and write or like at the end of the day, I'm so exhausted. I can't sit down and write for an hour. And I, you know, so the eight minute writing habit was kind of that message of like, so don't (laughs) just write for eight minutes. And it felt so manageable to people. And then people started using it and they were able to just break through this idea of like, write for an hour every day. Like it was just like, you don't have to. And they started to realize like, wow, like I got, you know, I got 500 words today or like I got a thousand words today cause I just did eight minutes. The other thing about it is that, um, you know, so the, so the other thing I suggested is like do eight minutes in the morning, like eight minutes is very, very easy to add to your morning routine. You only, you know, you just wake up like 10 minutes earlier and you can add it. So do eight minutes in the morning, eight minutes at lunch, eight minutes in the evening And so then people started doing that and it was like, they were, they're hitting, you know, 750 to a thousand words a day. Um, or even, even if they're only hitting 500 words a day, that adds up huge over the, over the long term. Um, and I, uh, and then the last reason is, you know, if you write for eight minutes and you want to keep going, you can. (laughs) And so for a lot of people, they're like, you know, to know that it's only eight minutes that they have to, they were like, okay, fine. Like I can do that. But then a lot of people said, yeah, I, I got into my story and then I just kept going. And so it's really like that, um, that habit building technique of like, just put on your running shoes and step out the door. Um, and I don't know if you've, you've seen, you've like heard of that before, but it's like the, the number one way to get your exercise or your run done in the morning is like, don't, don't say like, I have to go to the gym for an hour. Say, all I have to do is put on my tennis <laughs> shoes, tie them up and walk out the door. And if I want to walk right back in, then I can. Um, but for the most part, if you do that, you're like, all right, I'm already dressed and ready. Like I'm going to go the shoes on. Yeah. Oh like God. I'll just go to the gym. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm such a fan of really, really small chunks and sort of achievable goals so that you get those wins and then hopefully it's a good experience, you know, so you keep on going. Um, so I think that's fantastic. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is that I know that you really um, test out sort of productivity ideas and things. And I'm obsessed with um, hoping and wanting to get more productive um, to write more. Um, I'm very envious of other people's production. Um, so what what would your top tips be for people like me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I think the eight minute writing habit is a key. Um, so what I would recommend if people are trying to develop that habit, 
I would say do, um, and I talk, I talk about this in the eight minute writing habit, but, um, I have a section called the eight by eight challenge. So it's eight minutes a day for eight days in a row, um, which is just a little bit over a week and tackle that. Like, you know, it's, it's a fairly manageable challenge, but it'll teach you a lot about yourself. And I've had people, you know, they've done this habit and they've, they've really gotten started. Um, and there are a couple, you know, a couple people that I've now become good friends with, but they started out as just readers, um, who are like, I finally finished my novel or I finally finished my novella. Cause I just did this eight minute writing habit. And then at the end of the eight days, you know, people just kind of keep going. And, uh, you know, at the end of the eight minutes, people kind of keep going. And so, um, it, that's really, that's really mm. the, the best way to do the habit is to challenge yourself and, um, you know, assume that the, it's going to be challenging is the other, <laughs> you know, the other thing is uh-huh. like, like set, set it on your calendar. Um, take, take the challenge seriously. So it's kind of like if you were going to do, um, like a juice cleanse, like you're not just going to be like, okay, let me just start this like today, <laughs> you know, you're going to kind of, you're going to kind of plan it out and you're going to, you know, you're going to prep for at least a couple of days. Like you probably have it on your calendar. You've probably cleared your schedule a bit. Do that, do that for this. And you just know, you know, you know, you're going to do the eight, the eight days. Um, but clear your calendar or mm-hmm. like set your alarm early or whatever, and just have a little bit of a plan, um, and see, see if you can do the eight days without, with no break, you know, mm-hmm. no, uh, mistakes, well, mistakes, but <laughs> see if, see if you can do the see eight days can, properly. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and as somebody who, uh, writes about, um, productivity and who runs a nonfiction writing business and writes fiction, what's your sort of working week? Like what's a, do you have a typical working day? Do you work Monday to Friday? <laughs> how does yeah. it, how does it break down um, for you? So I do try to work Monday through Friday. Sometimes stuff spills over onto the weekend. Um, I am, so I'm consistent, but not, not with not having a daily writing habit. So, um, what I've learned about writing habits is that some people, they do really well with, you know, like a thousand words a day or like they do really well with kind of this very like paced methodical, like, I'm just going to write this much a day. And, you know, over time I can do the math and it's going to add up. Um, and then I, I found that for me, um, and for others, some people are more of like a burst of energy type of worker. So for me, it's like, I might write, you know, 5,000 words a day for two weeks and then not write for like a month. And I, I used to struggle with that. I used to think like, why can't I be more consistent? Like at least other people, you know, they do their 3000 words a day and then they're done and they are just so consistent and they, you know, they have like their schedules. And then I finally just kind of embraced the fact that I'm a burst of energy writer. And I realized there are good things about that too. Like I can block off two weeks and I can just focus on a book and then I can finish it that quickly. Um, and so I kind of started to embrace that and, you know, just go with it. And 
I, I've been able to produce a lot more that way. Um, so I would say I don't have a typical, uh, like schedule, like Mondays I do this. I will say that I have calls on Wednesdays, like pretty much, um, all day. Uh, so I kind of schedule all my meetings with like team, um, friends, uh, you know, critique part, like, like, uh, my mastermind group, like all of that is scheduled on Wednesday. And then, um, right now, so I, I've been recording like two to three podcasts a week for months at this point. Um, but right now I'm doing, you know, I usually do those on Tuesday and Thursday and sometimes Friday, but usually I just have a couple of those a week. Um, and then I'm working on, so I'm, I've actually recently launched, um, a new brand called the world needs your book. And, uh, yeah, so so this is a new thing that I haven't talked about on podcast yet. Um, but it's called the world needs your book. And so I'm working on that, you know, like this week, for example, I'll be, I'm working on that, you know, website and all of that good stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I don't have, I don't have a schedule and I think it's okay. I think if you can budget time for creative work, um, throughout your week, that, that can work for you. And you, you know, kind of, you kind of need to embrace your own rhythm of how you like to write as well. I think that's excellent advice. And I think, um, I have, I've wasted a lot of time wishing that I were a different sort of writer. I worked in a different sort of way and I've definitely been trying to, um, embrace my own process. And I think, as you say, it's more about if you can pay attention and try things out and track and then see, and if it's working for you and you are, you are scheduling, it's just in the sense you are scheduling your creative time. It's just rather, as you say, rather than it being, you know, an hour every morning, you'll block out those weeks yeah. in your, you know, in your year right. for your yeah. creative work, because you know that suits you best. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's fantastic advice. Um, and I did want to ask you about, you know, sort of balancing the sort of nonfiction and business side. And I was going to mention, of course, Pros on Fire, but I'm guessing that maybe that's now transitioning to to the yeah. new... Yeah, it's transit. Well, so, um, I'll put the links yeah, in the show so, notes, of course. But <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. So I just recently, um, announced that Pros on Fire is, um, like I'm shutting it down. And a lot of that work is going to be rolled over into this new, uh, new brand called The World Needs Your Book. And the brand is, it's basically just like an expanded brand because right now Pros on Fire is primarily for fiction authors. So this is just kind of an expanded brand that um, encompasses nonfiction authors, entrepreneurs, coaches, and everything else. Um, so Pros on Fire, it's it's still there, um, it, and it's going to be more of like an archive site so that I can put up all all my free resources that I've created. Um, my my uh, book series is going to stay intact, and yeah, it'll, uh, it'll still be there. So people can still visit prosonfire.com as well. Um, and then if they want to kind of join my new work, they, they can do, uh, the world needs your book.com. Cause there are lots of very good resources on that site. Um, yeah, so I was going to yeah. definitely urge people, um, head along there, but also they should now go to the new site and sign up for <laughs> updates there. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. So with, uh, with the fiction piece, I would say I do probably about 30% of my time goes to fiction. So, but 
that being said, I'm, you know, I've kind of mastered, um, my own writing productivity. So this year for, you know, for example, I, I've published the three novels, um, they're short novels, but the three young adult novels and, uh, two, uh, two novellas for that series as well. And then a short story. And so this is, you know, this was as of June, 2017. So even though I'm spending about 25 to 30%, it's, you know, it still is able to produce quite a bit. So that's kind of why I'm able to get away with it. And then, um, yeah, I probably, I'm probably spending more on the nonfiction side, um, at this point, but that again, that's still it's still very book related, and I I think I've done three three nonfiction books this year, and so um, yeah, so. you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> and do you find it very fulfilling to have both sides to your business, um, or do you ever think, oh, I'm just I'm just going to chuck all the nonfiction away and just write fiction all the time, and I'll have a hundred novels out? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, for a while I I felt like oh, I just want to be a fiction author and that was that was kind of all I wanted to do. But it just in the last couple of years that's really changed for me where it's not it's not my dream to just do fiction. And when I am doing fiction, sometimes I want to be doing nonfiction just the same way as when I am doing nonfiction. Sometimes I want to do fiction. So I do think I have, um, very, you know, varied interests. I do love both sides of it. And I, uh, I definitely want to do other types of nonfiction. So right now, a lot of my nonfiction is focused around like writing about writing, (laughs) um, which, you know, is, it's not the only thing I want to do. So I want to do like a memoir. I want to do self-help about topics that have nothing to do with writing um, and are aimed at a different audience. And so it's only very recently that I've embraced that and just said like, I don't want to be just a fiction author. Like I'm good with it. Um, I, I love to increase my time to close, you know, to more like 40, 40% fiction. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, I, I'm good. I'm good with that. Like, I don't, I don't need to be writing fiction a hundred percent and I don't know if it would make me very happy. No, that's great. I'm not sure if I could write fiction all the time. I think there's, I'd run out of energy for that when I've still got energy in which I can write nonfiction or do things like the podcast. So I completely yeah. agree with you. But I, sometimes I do just find it hard to balance a wee bit. I sort of feel like I'll be doing one and I'll feel like I ought to be doing the other, you know. Yeah. But I think that's, <laughs> I think that's just par for the course. And especially when you add in all of the marketing and so on. And, of yes, course, you yeah. are an expert in this area. So what advice do you have for introvert writers who also <laughs> want to sell books? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is really common, uh, just to feel so overwhelmed because of all the things that you're supposed to do for marketing. (laughs) And so what I, I mean, what I really, really encourage writers to do. So the first thing is that there are a lot of kind of like mindset issues around marketing. So it's a, you know, if you can, you want to clear those out or like kind of rewire that thinking before you even start marketing. Um, and I, 
I, I'm actually really, you know, so I have a book out about that. Um, it's called get your book selling and it's the seventh one. And it's the, it's the most recent one, seventh and most recent one in the growth hacking for storytellers series. Um, but so, so what that book does is it takes you through the mindset stuff to kind of just rewire. So if you're like, I don't have time to market, I don't have money to market. I don't feel like I'm good enough to market. Like all of those things you want to have some good self-talk around overcome, you know, overcoming those things. And so I think that again, goes back to, um, acknowledging the fear and being able to take action anyway. Um, so, so if, if you need that help, then get your book selling can, can walk you through all of that. Um, and then the second thing that book does is it says, throw away your to-do list of like all (laughs) these marketing things that you're supposed to do and come up with, come up with an actual plan that makes some, makes sense for your current, um, book catalog. And so it takes you through, that one takes you through, um, a bunch of different, different high level strategies and, uh, that you can use. And it says there's 15 of these, but just pick one, um, pick, pick the one. And it kind of, it'll tell you like, here's when you should use this. Here's when you shouldn't, like if you're in this situation or like if you have this particular skill set, um, if this, cause another thing people do is they, they have all these like marketing tactics that they're supposed to use or that currently work or whatever, but it might not match their personality or their skill set. And so if it doesn't match that, you know, you're probably, you're much, much less likely to do it. Um, just because you, you really want to go with the flow of what you already are, are good at and what you already like. Um, so, so that's kind of why you go through that list of 15 and you can, you can just pick one. And so then once you pick that one, then you have a marketing strategy and everything that you do will just need to align with that. And at that point, then when these tactics come in of like, oh, like do this giveaway and, uh, build your list to like 50,000 followers or whatever. Um, once those things come in, you can, you need to look at your strategy and just be discerning. Like, does this fit my strategy? Cause your strategy is that anchor, um, and that lens through which you can view all this. And then if it doesn't fit the strategy, then you're just like, okay, I'm not going to do it. And the reason you don't want to do it is because it's not going to work for you anyway, if you do it. So the, this can really just like narrow down all the crap that you feel like you have to do. Um, and so then once you, once you have that, um, you know, that small list of things that you can do, then I, the, the book also goes through like a sales funnel, um, that will kind of show you like, here's how you get a stranger to know, you know, to know who you are. And then once you have them know who you are, um, here's how to get them interested in your book. And then once they're interested in your book, here's how to get them to buy your book. And then once they've bought your book, here's how to get them to read your book and, you know, and so on. And so they'll go, um, it's called the 10 stages of audience and it will kind of walk you through like, where is, where is your prospective reader's mind at each of these 10 stages and what, what piece of marketing material do they need to just move to the next stage? And so it, it really teaches you, it te- the, the book teaches you the basics of marketing in a very, 
um, just accessible way so that you're not, you're not overwhelmed. Your, your mindset's in a good place and you feel like you can actually do it because you can, like once you, once you know all these things, you're going to be able to do this on your own and, um, you're going to be able to do it with confidence. Well, that sounds perfect. What's the name of the book again? The book is called, uh, get your book selling. And so, um, if you go to prosonfire.com slash book sales, no, uh, no spaces, then it will take you, um, directly to Amazon. Fantastic. Well, I will put the links in the show notes. Um, so you sound very, very confident. Um, but I am going to ask you this question anyway. (laughs) Do you ever find that you do suffer with procrastination these days or self-doubt or, um, and would it be in the creative side or the non-fiction side, although that's creative too, of course, um, or the marketing side or not at all? Um, (laughs) Oh yeah, no, um, absolutely. I do suffer from self-doubt and fear and all of that. But what I've learned is that a lot of times when we feel fear, a lot of the time it's because something is not right. Um, so for a lot of people like marketing is a great book. Marketing is a great example. Um, you know, if you're feeling like, Oh, like I can't, I'm, I never market or like, I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm not uh, a lot of times that's because it's just not, it's not the right thing for you. Like it doesn't match your personality. It doesn't match your skill set. Um, it's not going to get the results you want and so on. And, and it's just, like there's something wrong with it. So, um, when I was doing, so I knew for example, so here's a good example in my life of something that was really coming up recently for me. So I wanted to do, um, this new brand called the world needs your book. And it was just, you know, it was just expanding my current audience, but it was also like, I wanted to work with authors who want to make an impact on the world. And so that's a different message than prose on fire, which is, you know, which is for authors, typically, typically for fiction authors who want to quit their job and make a full-time living with fiction. So those are two, they sound, they seem like they would go together, but they're two kind of different messages. And so I was like, okay, like I've been doing prose on fire for five years. Like I'm going to, um, continue building that. Like, why wouldn't I? And then I'm just going to launch this new thing and then I'm going to do fiction. So, you know, I'm just going to have You're three businesses. Everything. And, yeah. I'll have three businesses and that'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I was struggling and struggling with like, what do I do next with prose on fire? Like, mm. and I, I was struggling to like, um, like we have this email sequence, for example, that's like completely written out. It's probably like 15 to 20 emails. It's written out. We've tested the emails, everything. And I'm like, I need to get Facebook ads onto the sequence because the sequence, um, brings people into my course and like into my books. And I'm, I was like, why am I not getting this done? Like, why isn't it happening? And then, I just, you know, like one day very recently I woke up and realized like, you know, I was, I was kind of like looking at the same thing, like spinning over the same thing that I had been thinking about for months and months of like, how do I do this? Like, why am I not doing this? And it, it just hit me like, I I need to shut down pros on fire. (laughs) Like it just hit me like, okay, this is, this is a different 
thing. Like my work has evolved and I need to go where my heart is and stop holding on to this thing that, you know, I don't think, I don't think my heart's in it anymore. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's representative of how I feel anymore. And so then I was just like, wow, am I really shutting down like a, a brand that I've been working on for five years that like, I have all this stuff that I've done for it. And, and it just, you know, but so, so basically right when, you know, I made kind of made the announcement that I was shutting down pros on fire and I just felt a lot of relief. And I, you know, I kind of made my transition plan. Like I, I'm like, what's going to happen to each, each person in my course? Like, where do I put them next? What's going to happen to my email list? What's going to happen to all my resources? What's going to happen to my seven book series that goes back to pros on fire? Like all the links in audio, print and ebook go back to pros on fire. You know, what's, what's going to happen to all these freebies I've created for people. And so then I, you know, but like, I just immediately kind of made this plan and then I made the announcement and then it was like, it was fine. Mm. And it's so the that's, decision that's the hard thing, isn't it? Once you've made the decision, yeah. like you say, you can make a plan to fix right. like the practical things, but the decision's yeah. not easy at all. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Some, so sometimes, if you're feeling that fear and self doubt, mm. you know, do a do a check and like go in, you know, go in and see, like, what do you, what do I really want? Mm. Like, if I really want to be a fiction author, then am I really, would I let marketing stand in the way? Like, no, you're like, why, why would you? Because you want to get your story. Like that's, that's a piece of value. You want to get that value into your reader's hands. You want that story to change their, that reader's life. And so you, you don't need, you know, like go get, go get the book, get your book (laughs) selling and work, work through all of that, you know, Uh Um, work through all that self doubt. Um, around book marketing, but it's like, don't let that stand in your way of this dream. And, and sometimes, sometimes you do just need to accept that the fear is there and act anyway. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that fear is trying to tell you something (laughs) bigger. Uh And sometimes with creative, when I'm writing fiction, it can be really difficult because I'm always advising people just keep on going. It's your fear and your self doubt and, you know, set a timer, all of those things go, go, go. But sometimes you are working on the wrong book, or you're writing a book that you have fallen out of love with, or, or maybe the story is really, truly not working. And And actually, then it's trying to tell you that. Mm-hmm, and I think, exactly. one, I don't know if you agree, but one of the hardest things that you kind of get with experience is trying to work out, am I just being frightened or procrastinating or lazy? Or actually, <laughs> should I? Or is this actually telling yeah, me something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or am yeah. I just having like shiny new idea syndrome? So. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, something that I've always said, which I think is true, is that nobody's lazy. A lot of times it's, that fear that's holding you back. And yeah, I I don't know. I don't know the best way to decide between am I procrastinating or is this the wrong thing? I I think you, you just have to like when you're feeling that fear over and over again and you're confused about it, maybe you just ask your, you have to like ask yourself and like get your journal out or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But it's always reassuring to me to know that we all kind of have these 
wobbles or difficulties trying to work out um what we're doing and how we feel about it and I, I can't believe how quickly the time has gone I knew I'd have so many things to ask you um but do you have any tips for people who want to be full-time or want to stay full-time um and do you have any tips for them to sort of remain that way so keeping creative over the long haul and avoiding burnout anything like that um so hmm so I think I think one of my tips, so when we talk about money, especially, I think people get, they get very, they get very narrow about how they want to receive money. And I think that's a big mistake as a creative. Uh, So as a creative, you know, most of us have other creative interests than our main creative interests. Uh, and I think it's, you know, obviously you got to stick with one thing and build it. That's, that's really important. Like right now, for example, I am, you know, I have a couple different fiction things that I could be doing, but I'm sticking with my one series, Waters Dark and Deep, and I'm adding books to that, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna build that up to a certain level before I move on from that. And so, so that's incredibly important, but at the same time, you don't want to have just one stream of income. That's the same as having a job. It's less secure. It's like significantly less secure than the, um, the typical nine to five job that we think about. Um, although that job is also, you know, not as secure, but yeah, you're, you want to develop those different streams of income and it doesn't have to just be in you know, fiction writing or nonfiction writing or one series or anything like that. Build that to a certain point, of course, like, like don't get, don't give up on that, but you know, have other, have other options. Um, so that if there's a big change in the ebook industry, you still have print books or you still have audiobooks or you still have like podcast advertising revenue. Um, or you still have like a course, that you're selling from your website. And when you can do that, that's kind of, that's how you build security over the long haul. I I don't know if you've seen this, but I've been doing self-publishing since 2009. I've seen people come in, make big bucks, and then like their book falls off the charts and they're broke. You know, I've seen people who have to return to their full-time jobs. I've seen people who have, who get their books in target and then they end up a couple years later, they're selling, uh, they're doing like multi-level marketing with something else, you know, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Like if you have to go back to your job, then that's okay. But you just, the creative world, it's changing all the time Mm. and you've got to be able to roll with those punches. And that requires diversity in your income streams. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think also when you're doing something creative, um, as creative as novel writing uh, or short story writing, um, for as soon as you monetized it, it's for money and it pays some of your bills or all of your bills, then there is a pressure with that as well. So I think I think it's great advice. And again, diversing, diversifying um, your income, not just it is safer, but maybe it'll make you feel psychologically less freaked yeah. out if you have a bad writing day or something, perhaps. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that is great advice. Well, we are not, I can't believe we've run out of time already, but where can people find out more about you and your books? So, uh, my, 
my new site is at theworldneedsyourbook.com. Um, and that is, you know, that has, uh, recently just come online. So there's new stuff coming there. Um, if you want to find my books, you can go to prosonfire.com slash G H F S. And so that is for growth hacking for storytellers. So again, it's prosonfire.com slash GHFS. And if you go to that link, it will take you to Amazon, which has all of the Growth Hacking for Storytellers series. There are seven books in it. They cover um, writing faster, writing habits, lots of mindset stuff, uh, lots of business stuff. Oh, brilliant. And are you on any of the social media networks? Is there any? Probably the best one to find me on is Facebook. Um, And I... Uh, I have my, I think my profile, my main profile is set to public. So you can, you know, read all my updates and all that. Um, and that's kind of a more personal channel. And then I'm also on Instagram and that's a good place to follow me. If you just want to, you know, see what I'm up to. I sometimes post, um, like images and exclusive content there as well. And some, you know, I tend to post like some little behind the scenes of my business lessons on Instagram. Yeah, so both of those you can just look for Monica Leonel. Um, I'm I'm Monica Leonel on on all my social media channels. <laughs> That's very organized of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but thank you, thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant to speak to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R Painter or use the hashtag WorriedWriter. See you next time.